Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Everything that Jesus is, the whole person of Jesus, everything that you've ever done, anything you've ever said, we have it recorded for us that we can gain wisdom, we can gain knowledge, we can gain experience. And we know those are the keys to life, your word says in the book of Proverbs. I thank you for this word. Lord, I know your word. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so I thank you that it, 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 it comes and it exposes our innermost thoughts. I thank you that today, as we bring mindsets into this place, maybe some of us might have mindsets. Maybe some of us might think a certain way. Maybe some of us may have brought something that we've struggled with in the past, but as it's, as it's brought into the light of your word, I just declare... Your word will literally begin to just cut those things away. Cut off every branch in us, Lord, that doesn't produce fruit so that we can be fruitful, so that we can grow, so that we can be like Jesus. Thank you for this word, Lord. This word is powerful. I decree and declare that, that the word will go forth, it will produce fruit. And anybody that, that grabs a hold of this word this morning, you're going to leave refreshed. You're going to leave encouraged. And, and the word of God is going to begin to work for you on your behalf. In Jesus' name, we give you all praise, Father. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah, guys. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 19, 12 through 27. Man, I'm going to tell you what. I have been trying to get off of this passage, but I just can't personally. You know, when I, when I, when I, when I get with the Lord... And I'm thinking and I'm meditating and I'm just like spending time fellowshipping with him. This is what he keeps bringing me back to. So I'm going to do my best to just articulate what's in my spirit, what he's ministering and speaking to me. Is that okay with you guys this morning? No? Tanner said no. <laughs> Luke chapter 19, 12 through 27. So I've been going over this for a few weeks and I told you that all of this kind of started with a question that was posed to me. So we do a lot of soul winning. And, and if you go to this church, you've heard me say it, and, and, and I've felt it for years, but recently I've been able to actually put like a slogan behind it. Win the lost at all costs. That's what I endeavor to do with my life, is that I know that's why, that's why I'm here. There's people that are lost, they're going to hell. They don't know Jesus. There's people that think they know Jesus, but they're actually not ready to meet Jesus. I want to tell you, me and Carissa actually met this lady at Subway. Funny enough, we walk in the subway, we're wearing, and I want to tell you, buy, if you don't have a shirt, buy one of those shirts because it's a great conversation piece. We walk in the subway, she sees revivals in the air. She says, oh, that's a cool shirt. And I say, yeah, it is a cool shirt. We made them. If you want one, I can give you one. And so we started talking uh, and I asked her, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? And this other lady comes around the corner and she's like, man, let me tell you, I'm not just a Christian. I'm a born again, washed in the blood, daughter of Christ, tongue talking. I mean, she just went through it. I said, praise God. And she said, that's right. I'm about to be hitting the streets 
uh, I, you know, there's a drug problem in Angelina County. I'm about to be hit in the streets and I just can't believe why is it that we have so many churches, but yet the, the counties and the condition that it's in, people need to take this place as their responsibility. I said, amen, sister. I connect with you. Amen. And then her coworker actually spoke up and was like, no, she's telling the truth. She said, me and my husband got saved because she went out in the parking lot, led us to the Lord, saved our marriage, got us plugged into church, and then started, she started working with her at Subway. I said, praise God. Amen. So it's just cool, guys. I'm telling you, the Lord will let you have a lot of cool encounters when you just go after the lost. So uh, there was this Muslim guy that I was talking to. He ended up giving his life to Jesus, and he asked me this question. And it kind of spurred this, this type of thinking. He said, okay, I, I, I preached the gospel to him. I told him about Jesus. I led him through the scripture. He said, I believe you. I want to receive Jesus. Man, he's like, I'm so excited. This is the answer to my problems. But then he asked me this question. He said, but now what? Now that I got saved, like, what do I do? You know, and, and, and let me tell you, I know I could give him the Christian ABC, which, is, which are good things like, okay, you need to read your Bible, right? You need to go to church. You need to pray. You need to, yeah, those are all good things to do. But let me tell you, that's not what he was asking me. He wasn't asking me like little practical things. He was saying, John, what's my why? What's the why behind getting up in the morning? What's the why behind going to work? What's the, why am I on this earth now? What's, what's all of this about? And so we've been breaking this down. The last several weeks, I've been talking extensively out of 2 Corinthians 5, how every single Christian's why is to preach the gospel to the lost. Every Christian. It doesn't matter your occupation. Every single Christian has been entrusted with the message of the gospel. And in fact, when you read 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we'll actually stand and give an account to God. What are we going to give an account to Him about? It, what we did with the message of the gospel. What did we do with this message? What did we do when Jesus set us free and freed us from our sin and gave us new life? What did we do with that new life? We're going to give an account to the Lord. And, and so the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, God makes His appeal through others. He makes His appeal through us. Man, I just think that's so powerful that what God, when God wants to get a hold of a generation, He's going to do it through me. When God wants to get a hold of a city, He's going to do it through you. He makes His appeal to other people through us. And guys, that's, that's, my, that's kind of the, the reality that I've been living with. Is that if we're not being obedient, how many people are just going straight to hell because nobody will tell them? How many people are going straight to hell because they've never heard? Because they're, they're on this path of destruction and they're just waiting for a son or a daughter of the Most High God to come and liberate them and set them free. God uses us. So we all have a responsibility to preach the gospel. Are you with me? So I told this man this. I said, look, what do you need to do with your life now? Look, I said, look, you can be a doctor, you can be a plumber, be a lawyer, whatever. That's great. Get your hand in the, business field, in the business field. You want to be an investor? Wonderful. But the why behind what you do needs to be to win the loss. This is God's heart. This is God's agenda. And this is God's will for you. Plug your life into saving the lost. Amen. Amen. So that was number one. Number two, we've been talking about occupy. Can you say occupy? occupy. It's a word that has just been resonating in my spirit. I can't get away from it. Last week, I began to try to teach you what it means to occupy. So we'll cover some of that. So I said, this is what 
The second thing God wants you to do. So he wants you to win the loss at all costs. And number two, he wants you to occupy. So I want to help you understand what it means to occupy. So let's look at Luke 19, 12 to 27. Hopefully you caught all of that. Are you guys still with me? Okay. So actually look in verse 11. It says the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them, a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. So it says, he called, he said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. So this is my point in sharing this with you. Jesus is telling a story that's obviously painting a picture of him. He was crowned king. He was made the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the name above every name. The Bible says he humbled himself. He shed his blood. He sacrificed his life. God raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the throne and and put everything underneath his jurisdiction and his authority and made him the Lord of all lords and the king above uh, the king of all kings. Are you with me? So he was crowned king and he says but he's coming back to return. And so Jesus actually answered this question. What are we supposed to do in the meantime? Obviously, Jesus ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago, and He hasn't come back yet, so we are still in this middle ground, this middle time. What are we supposed to do? What's the why? So, it says, Before He left, He called together ten of His servants. It says, And divided among them ten pounds of silver saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called the servants to whom he had given the money. And he wanted to find out what their profits were. I just want to give you a little side nugget here, guys. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. The reality of it is, Those people, they didn't want him to be the king, but that didn't take away from the fact that he was the king. Why am I saying that? Because there's so many people, they just they think their own way. They live their own way. They they do their own thing. And they think that, right, we're going to, I don't know what they think. We're going to stand before God and just give an account of our opinion. There is only one way, whether you like it or you don't like it, there's one truth and we are held accountable to that truth. Amen. Are you with me? So he's the only way, whether people like it, love it, hate it. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I want you to know if you're in this room and you're not ready, I want you to leave this place ready to meet Jesus Christ. Ready to meet him. Because the Bible says he's coming back. And let me tell you something. He didn't just say... You know, he he told us nobody knows the day or the time, but you read extensively through the the Gospels and the New Testament. He gave us signs and times of the season. If you read Matthew 24, he said, you'll begin to see all of these things taking place and it will actually be an indication that my return is soon. Can I tell you guys, we are living in the fulfillment of those days. Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. So we don't have time to waste. And there's so many people that, man, I don't really like Christianity. I'm sorry that you saw the wrong version of it, but it doesn't take away from it being the truth. Don't let some person that did you wrong and painted a wrong picture of something 
send you to hell. Hurt your heart, harden your heart, make you distant from God because you saw one Cracker Jack, you know, do some crazy thing and now you want nothing to do with it. Just because they did it wrong, it doesn't take away from the fact that there's only one way, one truth and one life and that is Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I see that all the time. Man, I got hurt in church. I don't go to church anymore. I got hurt by the church. I want to tell you, just because you got hurt by a church, you know, it doesn't change who Jesus is. Let me tell you, people make mistakes, guys. People make mistakes. You know, the Bible talks about love one another. You know, the Bible says actually make a, an allowance for each other's faults. That means that as we get born again, we actually have the capacity to live like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to never sin like Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did. But a lot of times there's a process from where we're at to actually living out that reality. People are on this journey. And I'm not saying we just let anything go and anything fly. No, there, there are standards that we have to hold to because if we don't, the Bible says corruption will come into the church. Paul taught about that. When you read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he taught about sin in the church. If it's not dealt with, it will literally spread and permeate and overtake it and render it completely ineffective. But what I'm saying is don't let the fact that somebody did something wrong defer you away from Jesus Christ who didn't do anything wrong. He shed His blood for you. He loves you. He paid, he paid for you with His life. Amen. Maybe somebody in here today needs to forgive. Maybe that's why the Holy Ghost has me saying that right now. Maybe there's somebody in here that you've been hurt by another person and you need to forgive that person. Maybe that person hurt you in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, there's a lot of things done in the name of Jesus Christ that, that's not Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things actually portrayed as Jesus Christ, but it's, it's a false God. It's a false system. It's a false thing that man's created and, and, and given that name, but it's not him. He's real. Do you know that? Jesus is alive. The, the base foundation of, G, uh, of Christianity, think of Romans 10, 9 through 10. How do you get saved? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth two things. Jesus Christ is the Lord. And number two, what? God raised him from the dead. Why is that important? Why did they put that in that phrase? That you have to believe God raised him from the dead just to be saved. Because you're not reading about a historical figure. You're not reading about some dead religion, some dead God in the sky that's just on the pages in the book. He's actually alive and you can know him and you can have a relationship with him and he won't hurt you like other people have hurt you. He'll never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. His will for you is to bless you and give you life and life abundantly. And don't let what somebody else has done defer you away from the truth of who He is. Amen. Are you with me? I see it all the time. And guys, I'm telling you, people get offended. And offense is the trap of the devil. He wants you offended. He wants you hurt. You know what people do when they get hurt? They isolate themselves. You get offended, what do you do? I'm going to, you know what? I'm just done. I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'm going to retract and retreat. I'm going to stay over here. 
And it's funny, you know, the Bible says that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know what's funny? The, the Bible could have given any description of the devil. They could have said he prowls around like a panther, prowls around like a bear, prowls around like a great white shark. It didn't say that. It says like a roaring lion. If you look up how a lion hunts, you know how a lion hunts? You can watch on National Geographic. A lion gets down in the grass and it waits and it watches. And it doesn't attack the herd, right? Because when, when there's numbers, there's security. You got a bunch of gazelle and antelope. They're running together. They're secure. Zebras running together. They're secure. The lion actually waits until one of the stragglers stays behind. Until one of them gets isolated from the pack. And when one of them gets isolated from the pack, then it strikes. And the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. That's what offense does is isolates you from other people. Listen to me. You, we need each other. We need each other. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need people you can run with. All right. So. It says before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. Say that word invest. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm going to break this down into a few different translations. I'm going to read that same verse. I'm going to give it to you in the NLT, the New King James, the Amplified, the King James, because it, it, it paints a cool picture. I want you to see this. Invest this for me while I'm God. If you'll, if you'll highlight that, that is the answer. What am I supposed to do? What's my why? Now that I get saved, what's the purpose of my life? The answer is found in that verse, verse 13. Invest. Say invest. Take what I've given you and invest this for me while I'm gone. It says, but as people hated him, they sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want him to be our king. Verse 15, but he was crowned king. Tristan, will you come turn the AC down for me, please, a little bit? But he was crowned king. After he was crowned king, he returned. Say he returned. This is a picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to return. What's he going to do when he returns? Right? He snaps his finger and everybody that's prayed the prayer, just all of a sudden we become angels that float around in a white space and we play harps. No. Look what it says that he does. He returned and he called the servants to whom he had given the money. And he wanted to find out what their profits were. First, the, the first servant reported, Master, I invested. Say, I invested. I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Wow. It's crazy. Christian, God actually wants Christians to think like investors. Amen. Wow. Say, wow. wow. I invested your money. And made ten times the original in the mount. Look what he said. Well done. What did Jesus say? Oh, you know what? You know, you know, that's not that's actually not good. You know, we don't you don't need to be talking about multiplication and investment and, and talking about investment strategy. That's not for the church. I don't like that church because they talk about that stuff too much. He said, Well done. Well done. The king exclaimed. 
You are a good servant. You've been faithful with the little that I've entrusted you. So now you'll be the governor of 10 cities as your reward. Can you say cities? Do you guys know that we're actually not going to spend eternity somewhere else? You know that? People don't realize that. People think that heaven is some other place. It is right now. But you know, the Bible says that when Jesus Christ comes back and his redemptive work is finished, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. A new Jerusalem, a heavenly city. So think about this. People think, what, what is heaven going to be like? We're all just going to be worshiping for a million years. And we're not going to do anything else. I kind of beg, beg to differ about that. Heaven is going to be set up like society. There's going to be governments. There's going to be people. There's going to be cities. And those who are faithful, look at this. The people that were faithful on this earth, what did God say? Oh, you made it into heaven. No, he said in this new world, you are going to govern 10 cities. Hallelujah. That's what I want to live for. I want to live to literally gain territory in the new earth. I'm claiming Texas in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be the governor of Texas in heaven. Hallelujah. I don't know. Kenneth Hagin probably has me beat. I'm not dead yet, though. He's not dead. He's asleep. That's what the Bible says. You'll be the governor of ten cities as your reward. Wow, isn't that funny that his reward was a reflection of his of his prophet. Guys, I'm telling you this. Like, this is why it matters. Like, God's not a socialist, and socialism doesn't work. You can't give every... God doesn't give every person the same thing. Now, I want to say this. We all have started with the same thing. We've all started... He's given everybody. He's leveled the playing field. When you got saved, you got the same Holy Ghost. You didn't get less of the Holy Ghost. You didn't get the junior Holy Ghost. That's what I try to teach our core kids. As we train them up to go into the schools to be ministers, I say, guys, they kicked me out of the school. They won't let me go in, but they actually legally can't kick you out. And let me tell you, there's no such thing as the junior Holy Ghost. When you get saved, you don't get part of him, a piece of him. You get all of him, all of him, everything that Jesus was, every blessing, every gift, Everything heaven has to offer wrapped into one package known as the Holy Ghost deposited on the inside of you. Now, here's the question that we're going to look at. What do I do with it? Matters. You know, the Bible actually says that like we're not all going to have the same reward in heaven. You read through 1 Corinthians, Paul says that there will be those that literally when they stand before God, all of their work is burnt up. But yet they themselves are barely saved like somebody barely escaping the flames. I believe, I'm not talking about Christians that are people that claim to be Christians. They said the name of Jesus once or twice in their life and never lived for him. I'm saying the Christians that are good people, they really believe in Jesus. They really try to live a righteous life. They really try to live according to the Bible. But yet, look, are they going to go to heaven? Yeah, they're going to go to heaven. But they did nothing past a church on Sunday morning, a church maybe on Wednesday, an extra thing here and there. They did nothing to multiply His kingdom on the earth. Are you with me? Your reward, you'll be the governor of ten cities. The next servant said, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. 
Well done, the, the king said. You will be the governor over five cities. Look at that. Five cities. Well done. It says, but the third servant brought back only the original amount and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid. Say afraid. afraid. Guys, that's why you got to get radical about getting fear out of your life. Radical. You know, let's just talk even from the world standard. You know why most people do not start businesses? They're afraid. I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to lose money. I'm afraid I won't succeed. I'm afraid to do that because I'm afraid that I'm not good enough. I'm afraid that I don't know enough. Fear is the thing that kept the servant from investing and believing and taking what God gave them and going for it and multiplying it. God did not reward that. He didn't reward that. I was afraid. Say, I was afraid. Fear. And the Bible says there's good news. The Bible says that you have not been given a spirit of fear in Romans chapter 8. But God's spirit join with your spirit to affirm that we are his own children. Now we cry out, Abba, Father. That's good news, my friends. You're, a You're literally a child of God that's received the full inheritance. Amen. Talking about fear. You know, we fear the dumbest things. I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe if you're two or you're, you're, you're being dramatic, but nobody walks down their hallway and sees a ladybug and goes, oh, you know, freaks out and screams, a ladybug. Nobody does that. If you do, you're a weirdo. I'll pray for you. God will heal you and help you. But nobody does that, right? To a ladybug. Why? Why don't they do that to a ladybug? When a ladybug lands on your arm, you don't do that. You look at it, you're like, oh, man. Except when I was a kid, somebody told me that the orange ones were poisonous and they'll kill you if they land on you. So I, I'd freak out when like a little orange one land on me. But, but nobody does that with a ladybug. Why? Because you know that it actually doesn't have the capacity to hurt you or to harm you. Now, a snake, people freak out about snakes. You flip over a, a chair and you see a black widow underneath there. You get a little, ooh, you know, you kill that thing. Why? Because it, in your mind, it actually has the potential to hurt you or harm you. This is where identity comes into play. This is why we have to get rid of fear. This is why God said, you've not received a spirit of fear. He told Timothy, Paul said, you have not received a spirit of timidity, Timothy. What does that mean? The inheritance that you've received from the Lord by the deposit of the Holy Ghost has made you superior to all things and everything. There's actually nothing that, that there is that has the ability or capacity to hurt you or harm you. Isn't that what Jesus said in Mark 16, 17? You'll tread on serpents and scorpions and nothing by any means shall harm you. Luke 10, 19, we've preached this for years. I've given you all authority over the power of the devil. Are you guys with me? Fear. Say, we've got to get rid of fear. I've got to get away from the fear of failure, the fear of losing, the fear of not being enough, because that's a lie from the devil. You need to move forward in faith. What that fear will actually do is keep you in this place of never moving, never doing anything, never putting your hand to anything to see it multiply because you're afraid. You think you're going to fail before you ever even start. And what does it do? It causes you to stay right where you're at and you waste your whole life and you stand before Jesus Christ and He says, what were your prophets? I was afraid. 
Well, that's okay. I understand. Verse 22, he said, you wicked, you wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I, I could have gotten some interest on it. Say, God expects me to use common sense. Right? That's kind of like a common sense thing. If you, if you didn't want to go for it, why didn't you at least, like in the human mind, why didn't you at least put it in a savings account and let it get a little bit of interest? He's like, you, you're, you didn't even take the time to use common sense. You didn't even take the time to consider what I've given you and think strategy for three and a half seconds of what can I do with this to multiply it. You know that that's what most Christians do. Most Christians are simply surviving. Say occupy. Occupy is not a message that I'm preaching. It's, a, it's, it's so much more than that. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of being. It's, it's a way that dominates the way that you live, the actions that you take, the thoughts that you have, the decisions that you make. I need to get this in the spirit of the church. Are you with me, guys? Hallelujah. I mean, most people do that. They just like live and they never, like, they're not even thinking. They don't take any time. They're not intentional. No brain power. They never sit down and strategize. How can I multiply this? You know what's interesting? I'm going to break down some, interesting, uh, some really cool thoughts. I keep using the word interesting. It's interesting to me. I'm going to break down some really cool thoughts from this verse. And I've heard this message preached several ways. I've heard people give this passage and talk about, you know, your talents. It represents your skill. It represents your time. It represents... That's all great and wonderful. I think there's application to it. But let me just drop this nugget. If we hold to the truest form of what the Scripture is saying, he's talking about money. Didn't he just say that? Let's look back up where he said... It says in verse 13, before he left, he called his servants and divided to them 10 pounds of silver, save money. And he said, invest this, Say, invest this for me, invest this for me while I am gone. So let's just take this right, because before we can strip it down and like give special. Oh, let me give you special application. The, a lesson you need to learn when studying the Bible is you need to read it at surface level for what it says. Jesus actually, he was talking, he said money. That's what he chose. So listen to this. God actually expects us to multiply our money. Isn't that interesting? Some of you may not agree with that. You cannot deny that that's what he, he's literally talking about this. Invest this for me while I'm gone. He literally rebuked the third servant, said you didn't even put it in an account to gain interest. It's funny that they were doing stuff like that thousands of years ago. Say, God expects me to multiply my money. Let me tell you what I mean by changing the way that you think. So say the grace of God. Say grace. God has this, He's graced you, you have these skills, these abilities, He's opened doors for you. Say you have a job. You make $60,000 a year. 
Think about this. Most Christians' mindset is not occupy, it's survive. Most Christians' mindset is slave. Most Christians' mindset is I spend my whole life, I'm going to take something that God's given me. He's talking about money. I'm going to take this amount, the $60,000 that God gave me this year, and I'm just going to survive on it. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to eat my food. I'm going to, that's, that's great and wonderful. But then what happens? We run out of money and we come back to the Lord and we say, Here we, hey Lord, you know, I need some more help. And He's so good, He blesses us. He continues to pour out. We have the blessing of the Lord that keeps these, these reoccurring transactions, so to speak, flowing into our lives. But think about this. What if God actually expected you at $60,000, say that you got as a salary for your job, what if God actually expected you to take that amount and not think like a slave, but use your mind and figure out how to turn that $60,000 into $80,000? Whoa, now we're talking about stuff that should not be talked about in church. Really? Because he just used that exact illustration. What if God actually had an expectation? Jesus had an expectation. Take this $60,000, turn it into $80,000, and then be like the servant that then took that $80,000 and he turned it into $150,000, and then he took that $150,000 and he turned it into $200,000. Do you catch my drift? Do you see what I'm saying? But most people can't ever even begin to think like that because they think like a slave that's just simply trying to survive. Like an animal. I wake up, I survive, I go to sleep, and I get up the next day and I do the exact same thing again. Guys, I want to lift the limitations off of you. Are you with me? You may say, I have no idea. John, what do you mean practically? What are you trying to get at? Invest. I'm not just talking about paying your tithes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we live in 2021 where there's a million and a half ways under the sun to multiply your money. Are you with me? Most people don't do that. Why? Because they're afraid. Why are they afraid? Because of lack of knowledge. I don't know, where to, I don't know how to do that. Do you know the Bible says you have the mind of Christ? You believe that? When you get the Holy Ghost, you have the mind of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a genius. Jesus Christ, when the Pharisees came to him and tried to dispute what he was saying, he was so smart and just like wit. In a second, he could twist everything that they said and leave them confounded saying, well, we got nothing we can say. These were guys that had the entire Old Testament memorized. That shows you how high their intellect was. They had studied the Bible for 30 years, 50 years, 60 years. Jesus in one split second could just sit there and with one question, take everything they thought and just rip it right down the middle where they're left speechless. He was a genius. And it says that we have the mind of Christ. You know what that means? There's nothing you can't learn. There's nothing you can't learn. There is nothing that you can't learn. The problem is that it's not that people can't learn. It's that we're lazy most of the time. We're lazy or we're afraid because we don't know who we are in Christ. We think so small. Guys, I'm telling you, what God is wanting me to do is break off these blinders like the little horses that just do this and and open up our minds to greater capacities. Are you with me? 
So wait, you need to understand, God has an expectation. It's not right for God to give me this amount of money over five years and for me to just simply survive and live off of it. And then I go to heaven and say, Lord, I, I got here, you know, by your grace, I, 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 I slid into heaven. I barely made it. No, he expects us to use our mind to take time, intentionality. I want to tell you the time that we live in. John, I don't know how to do that. You're telling me you don't know how to read? Well, maybe I don't know how to read. You're telling me you can't learn how to read? Hooked on phonics? Amen. You're telling me that we can't take time to listen to books, to listen to people. Jesus actually said, oftentimes the children of this world are more wise or shrewd than the children of light. Isn't that funny? He was saying, the peep, guys, I love you. He's like, church, your heart is pure. You're so awesome. You're so amazing. You have the best intentions, but you guys allow yourselves to get completely ran over because you choose to be ignorant about a lot of things. This is the conviction the Lord's given me. I've been feeling this, this not just this is something I should do, this demand from heaven. God has a mandate on my life to take what he's given me and to multiply it, to invest it. Say invest it. So look, let's look at verse 13. Before he left, he called together his ten servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver. Say silver. Saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. Invest. Say invest. Look at the New King James. So then he called his ten servants and delivered them ten minas which is you know, a type of, of silver coin, and said to them, do business till I come. Say, do business. do business. Invest. Do business. Look at the Amplified. Calling ten of his own bondservants, he gave them ten minas, each equivalent to about 100 days, wages, or nearly $20. And he said to them, buy and sell with these while I go and return. Can you say buy and sell? Let's look at the King James. Then he called us ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy. Say, Occupy. So think about this. I'm going to give you the why. God wants us to invest. God wants us to multiply. But what's the why? Me and Chris were having this conversation. I said, man, we're, we're doing all these things. Like, the Lord's giving me vision. We got our hand in this thing and this thing and this thing. But babe, what's the why behind what we're doing? Right? I know God wants me blessed. I'm His son. God wants you blessed. You're His child. The Bible says that. If you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give all things to those who ask? He loves you. He wants you blessed. But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. I said, okay, God wants us blessed. So, so, you know, if the Lord blessed me and we have a blessed life, that's great and wonderful. But then what? What's the why? What's the why behind all of this work. What's the why behind all this passion? What's the why behind all this pursuit? Look at the word occupy. I, I went over this last week. Say occupy. occupy. So when Joshua was going into the promised land, Moses sent out spies. They came back, said there's giants in the land. There's big armies in the land. There's people that are more powerful than us. They were all scared. Joshua and Caleb stood up and says, guys, what are you talking about? The Lord has already promised this to us. Let us go at once and occupy. He uses the word occupy. This is what that word means. 
It literally means, the word occupy means to cease. Say cease. So Jesus got His servants together, gave them this portion, gave them this money, gave them these coins, gave them a gift, gave them the Holy Ghost, gave them the Word of God, gave us these things and said, I want you to, what am I supposed to do? Seize until I return. Seize. Say seize. Seize. Guys, we as a body of Christ have got to rise to a domination mindset. You cannot be passive. You cannot be a pacifist. And I'm not talking about fighting against people. I'm talking about fighting against the slavery and bondage of this world. Jesus Christ came to set us free. He led us out of Egypt. And a lot of people, Christians, they jump around and I've done it too. It said, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. But then I look how the government's set up. I look at how, how, the, I look at how these things are, are put on our lives, the restrictions, these taxes, this, this place that I find myself, this income bracket I find myself living in. And I say, actually, when you look at how all this stuff is set up, I'm not free. I'm somebody's slave right now. Jesus didn't come so that I could be a slave. He didn't come so that you could be a slave. Are you with me? Set me free. In Psalms 103, it says he led his children. Get this. Here's the three tenets of the gospel. Psalms 103. Let me put a bottle cap. We're in Huntington. I can jimmy rig this thing, right? I'll put a bottle cap to mark my my spot. Let me show you the three pictures of the gospel. In Psalms 103. Y'all with me for a few more minutes? Guys, I'm telling you, this isn't just one message. This isn't something I could possibly finish today because this is literally a lifestyle that we have to embrace. A way of thinking and being and breathing and operating that we have to embrace. Psalms 103. Let's see. Make sure I'm giving you the right verse. We need the Jeopardy music. (laughs) Psalms 105. I'm so sorry. I was close. 105, 37. There we go. I was like, man, I know that it's like right here. So you read Psalms 105. It's funny, the New Testament tells us that all throughout the Old Testament, there's all these events that took place. Like think about Joshua. You know, Jesus' name wasn't Jesus. His name was Yeshua. Joshua, Yeshua. Joshua was a picture. He literally brought his people into the promised land. You have this picture all throughout the Bible. The great men of God, David, was a picture of Christ. Moses, literally Moses went in to his children, God's covenant people that were in slavery, that were in bondage, and he escorted them out of Egypt and into the place of promise. 
It was just, it's all just a big picture of Jesus Christ, the New Testament tells us. And so when you read it in that perspective, there's so many nuggets that you can see that's like, wow, it just lets me see an aspect of something I've never seen. So look, so look down at verse 37. Does anybody have a New King James Bible they're reading from? You guys are like, this is unorthodox. Well, you know, this isn't like some religious hokey pokey thing we're doing. I just I want us to learn the Bible. I want us to hear from God this morning. Are you with me? Let's compare. I'm going to I'm using my phone. Man, I love technology. So. There's three pictures from when Moses led the children, when the Lord led the children out of Egypt. You have the picture of what? The blood that was on the doorposts. If you've ever seen the movie The Prince of Egypt, if you grew up in the 90s like I did, or you've read the Bible, you're in VBS, you've heard about this story. That literally Moses came, there was all these plagues in Egypt, and to, final, to finalize it, to cap it all off, God came and He was going to destroy the firstborn of each household in the land of Egypt. So He told the Israelites, slaughter a lamb that's pure, that's spotless, without blemish, and put the blood on your doorposts. That's a picture of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that He is the Lamb of God. He was the sacrifice. He's the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. It's a picture of Jesus. So what did the blood do? Just a picture. It saved them. His blood saves us. So we don't have to go to hell. We have eternal life because of the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. So let's look at the other two pictures. That's not the entire Gospel message. Jesus didn't just come around while He was on this earth forgiving people. What did He do? Just as much as He forgave people, what did He do? Healed them of all sickness and disease. You can read Matthew 8.17. It says they brought the paralytic, the blind, the deaf, those that were crippled, those that were possessed by demons, and He healed all of them no matter what their disease was. Because this is an equal, equal attribute attribute of God are you with me so this is what Psalms 105 says so we know the blood saved them and it says he also brought them with silver and gold and there was none feeble among their tribes so there's three works that were done in Egypt number one God saved his children with the blood of the lamb it says that they ate the body of the lamb and he healed them. He removed feebleness from among them. He took their sickness and their disease away from them, but he didn't even stop there. He led them out loaded down with silver and gold. The Bible actually says that God stripped the Egyptians of their wealth and gave it to the Israelites and led them out of captivity. Are you with me? Say, I'm not a slave. We're living in partial slavery and we just accept it. Guys, I'm telling you, we got to think so much bigger. I, right? I want a house. What do I do? I go get a loan, get a house, want a car, go get a loan, get a house. I'm not saying, I'm not putting condemnation on anybody. I'm telling you, we just got to think so much bigger. We're in this system that's literally kept to keep us from only going this high in life. Are you with me? So, let's wrap this up. Let's go back to Luke 19. He said, occupy. Say, occupy. occupy. 
He got his servants together. He gave them these, these gold coins, these silver coins. He gave them these minas. And he said, occupy, seize until I come. Another word for occupy, seize. Second word, dispossess. What am I supposed to do? I, look what I've given you. Now take it and dispossess the enemy. Dispossess the system. Go around and do what Jesus did in Acts 10.38. He went around doing good and setting all, who, all free that were bound by the devil. Are you with me? Man, this hit me a lot harder than I think it's hitting you. Maybe it's hitting you. Maybe you're taking it in. But I was like, oh my gosh. This Muslim man asked me, what am I supposed to do? What's my why? You win the loss at all costs and you occupy till he comes. What does occupy mean? Just work a job, live, survive, be a righteous person. Don't sin, you know. Don't have sex before I'm married, okay. Don't, don't do drugs, great. It, yes, all of that. But it's more than, it's literally seize. You seize. Occupy till I come back. Dispossess till I come back. Take possession of. Inherit. Disinherit the devil. Occupy, impoverish. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Impoverish. Be an heir. Say, be an heir. Be an heir. There's such a higher level of thinking, of being, of, of living. We've got to lift our eyes. Are you with me? Let me give you a couple quick points and I want to pray for you. Number one, the responsibility is on me, not God. If you're going to write that down, write that down. The responsibility is on me, not God. I love this. Guys, in this picture, when you read this parable, what did the king do? He gave them this portion and then what did he do? I'm going to sit here and, you know, I'm going to do it all for you. No, I'm going to invest it. Don't worry. I'm going to multiply you for you. I'm going to multiply your ministry. I'm going to multiply your finances for you. I'm going to do all this stuff for you. Has he blessed us tremendously? Absolutely. But that's not what he said. He gave them this portion. And then he literally withdrew his hands and said, now you take it and you invest it. You make it work and you make it happen. Can I tell you, it's impossible to do that when you have a slave mindset. It's impossible to do that when you have a victim mindset. It's impossible to do that. Guys, it changed my life. I'm reading this book. You know how many times uh, that we have just blamed other people for things? Like, my power goes out all the freaking time where I live. All the time it goes out. And I get mad. What do I do? Oh my gosh, honey, look at the man, these lines, who's dropping these trees? I can't believe these, you know, and I mean, I really don't get mad because I'm like, well, I'm sure a tree fell and they're already out there working. And, but I'm just giving you an example of how we think like victims. And I read this book and this guy said, actually, anytime there's a problem, it's not because of somebody else. It's because of a lack of action on your part. You know, there's things I could do to prevent that. My parents had a generator system installed in their house that anytime the lights go off, immediately, boom, it kicks on and it powers their whole house. Now what? Why do most people do that? Well, I can't do that. It, it costs too much money. Okay, 
Maybe you don't have it right now, but you're thinking like a slave. Because there actually is a solution. So my point is, there's something that I could do. So I'm not going to walk around and blame, I'm this way because somebody did this to me. I can't go this high because these limitations that are on me. You break free of all of those things. And you take the, res- the responsibility is on me. Say, it's on me. God has given us this point. He's given us the Holy Ghost. Do you guys understand that it says Jesus sat down? You know what that's a picture of? In the book of Hebrews, it says Jesus Christ, He shed His blood. He offered His life one time as a sacrifice, good for all time, and then He sat down. You know what that sitting down means? Finished work. Finished work. That means, Jesus, I need you to multiply me. I need you to help me. I need you to bless me. And he's seated on the throne saying, you know what, son? You need to change the way that you think because you've actually already received all of it in your inheritance that I've given you. Jesus, I need you to help me get out of this situation. You have the mind of Christ. How creative are we willing to get? You know, we've been running and running and running. We've been doing these outreaches. We've been doing these. We made these. Make, Tanner's been doing these like makeshift tent revivals. We, we, we were going to meet in a parking lot and he's, you know, he's launched out. And it, it's going to rain. So what do we do? Oh, man, I guess we need to cancel this thing again. And no, we, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go down to Harbor Freight. I'm going to buy four canopies. We're going to strap these suckers together and throw them up. And we're going to have a tent revival in the East Texas heat. Amen. I mean, this is my point, is that it's not just sitting back waiting for God to do something. There needs to be people in our generation that rise up and realize that we have a responsibility to make it happen. What if God is not waiting till some special time to pour out revival? What if he's waiting for people to rise up and take the responsibility on and say, it's my job for my city to hear the gospel. It's my think about your own finances. Lord, I pray you increase me. I pray that you bless me. I pray, Lord, I pray that you take me to the next income level. Help me with these problems. What if it was actually my job? Wow. What do you mean? Like God's just like, well, figure it out. No, He's given me everything. Are you with me? What if God was like, actually, John, you know, you're wanting me to snap my fingers. And you still work at Taco Bell, but I'm just going to drop 150 grand in your lap. What if you actually read some books? What if you actually learned some business models? What if you actually, instead of going home and watching TV and just wasting your life, what if you actually put time, energy, attention, and effort into learning different methods and strategies, and then you actually begin to believe that nothing was impossible for you, and you actually begin to put your things your hand to different plows, believing that I'm the God of my word and I'll bless everything you put your hand to. Amen. Are you with me? It's a completely different way of thinking. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. I love people, but I don't say but. I love people. This is something that I've had to work on. I don't like being around victim whiny people. Amen. I don't. like, And I have to ask the Holy Ghost, Lord, there's people sometimes... I'm not speaking about anybody in this room, like specifically don't take this towards you, but it's true. That is just like one thing that I don't like complaining. I don't like just a victim mindset and mentality, especially if you're a Christian. I I hate that. 
Jesus. You know, people are like, John, I want you to pray for me and shut it up, slap me, and then I fall out in the Holy Ghost. Now I'm like, you know what? Actually, how about this? Snap out of it. You got the Holy Ghost. You have the same spirit I have. You know what the thing that's different? The way we think. You know the thing that separates me from a, from a person that pastors a church of 50,000? The way that we think. You know what I do? I humble myself and realize I can learn. There's still more to learn. There's still more to do. There's still more to grow. We've got to get pride out of our lives. Embrace humility. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Say, there's still more for me to learn. Well, we scratched the surface. I'm sure we'll get back to this next week. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray a prayer over you. And I'll say prayer. Really, let me just speak this out in faith. I want you to confess it. I want you to believe it. Because the reason we speak, the reason I have you guys speak so much, if you go to this church, you know. We believe the Bible Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. You could speak to a mountain if you command it to move and have not doubt in your heart, you'll have what you say. If you, if you believe, you can say, and if you believe those things which you say and have not doubt, you'll have what you say. Isn't that crazy? Jesus said, I could speak my way. I could speak things into existence. I can actually change the trajectory of my life by changing the words that I speak. So we do that. I have you guys repeat things because I'm telling you, if you'll begin to speak the word, speak in faith, speak positivity, get negativity, get complaining, get victimhood, get slave, slavery out of your mind and out of your mouth, you'll literally watch. I'm telling you, a month, two months, three months, you do that, you'll watch God completely change your situation. Completely change your situation. And I should say, God, He, he changed it 2,000 years ago. You'll watch your situation change. As you begin to walk in faith. Are you with me? Father, I thank you that there will be no slaves in this community. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you for the Holy Ghost that that you have given us. That you've given us the deposit of heaven. Everything that heaven has to offer, you've given it to us. Your word says that all your promises are a resounding yes and amen. You've given us complete access to all 8,000 plus promises of the word. They already belong to us. We already have access to them. Now, Lord, we're going to step in it. We're going to receive it. We're going to be transformed into new creations by changing the way that we think, according to Romans chapter 12. Thank you for your anointing. I want you to say, I'm blessed. Say, I have the blessing of the Lord. I want you to say, I'm anointed. I want you to say, the same anointing, the same Spirit that was in Jesus is in me. Say, I can do what He did. Say, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. In Jesus' name. Say, I'm not a slave. I have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Let me just ask everybody by your head. Let me ask this question. Is there anybody in this room you're not ready to meet Jesus Christ? Because this is not self-help. This isn't just simply changing the way that you think. The, 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 the step one of all of this is you have to enter into covenant with God. And the only way to enter into covenant with the Most High God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. By believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, repenting of your sins, and stepping into this relationship where He is your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody that if you knew today for certain, if you stood before God, you're not sure that you would be ready to meet Him? Is there anybody in the room? Just simply lift your hand. If you stood before Jesus Christ today, you're not 100% positive that you would be ready to meet Him and for your life to give an account before Him. Is that anybody? Just lift your hand. All right, no problem. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask my ushers to come up. We're going to take up our tithes and offerings. Amen. Thank you, Father. Let's put the ways you can give on the screen. If you're online, you can give. If you're present, you can give these ways. I, I, I prefer... Text to give, me personally, it's super easy. Do we have that up there? We need to put that on that slide so it's all together. Text to give, that's a great way to do it. Uh, if you're online, you can join with us. So this is what I want to do. This is where I want to set your faith. Everybody in this church that's a member of this church, I know you personally, you're in financial covenant with God. You, you, you have a covenant that as you give, He multiplies it and gives it back to you. That's one of the methods, a supernatural method of investing. You know, it's good to do stocks. It's good to do all that. We should. But, you know, there is something that yields a guaranteed every time. Jesus promised a hundredfold return in Mark chapter 10 on anything given to the kingdom. And so it never supplement like worldly investing for a covenant with God. And I just want to take it from this position today. You know, seriously, I understand when you're out there grinding, you're out there working, and you're like, man, this took me blood, sweat, <laughs> working in the heat, working in the cold, energy, getting home late, time away from other people. Guys, this is, a pre this is precious. And I want to tell you that, that, honestly, that's what your money is a representation of. I know everybody talks about, oh, yeah, you know, it's easy to give. And then until they bust their, their backs to get it, and then they're like, oh, you know. I don't know that you, this one's a little bit hard. I want to tell you that that's literally it's a sacrifice unto the Lord. And it's not a sacrifice made in vain. It's a sacrifice where you say, Lord, I'm, I'm giving you something that represents the best of me. My time, my energy, the time that it took me away from the ones that I love in order to earn this. Like, you know, my livelihood, extra things that I could be buying. I'm going to literally give it as a sacrifice to you. Man, I do that. I, I do that when I tithe. I, I think, Lord, I just literally, like this cost me something. But then the Lord gave me His best and it cost Him, so, it cost him His one and only Son, the best that He had to give. And so I'm in this relationship with God. He's given me everything His heart is attached to and I give Him everything. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Are you with me? 
I lay it down. I said, Lord, this is my heart. Like, I love you. I trust you. You're so good. What an honor it is to serve you. Bless you, Lord. And it's just amazing because he's so amazing. He takes that gift and he multiplies it and he returns it back to us. Hallelujah. Just hold your offering up. Your tithe, your offering. If you're giving online, you can participate as well with us. It's blessed in Jesus' name. Say, bless you, Lord. Say, I love you, Lord. I give this to you. Thank you for blessing me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Ushers, go ahead and take it up. Everybody else, if you'll stand to your feet. Let me bless you and dismiss you. We got a word bath this morning. Amen. (laughs) Washed in the water of the word of God. You know, I was reading. I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but I was reading yesterday and talked about faith. It says it nourishes us. He said, I pray that you're nourished by the message of faith. I said, isn't that so true? Whenever I hear the message of faith, I literally feel edified. I feel it it nourishes me. It supplies me. You feel nourished this morning? You feel encouraged this morning? You feel like God... Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.